Good morning, everyone. This is Austin Jardine. Welcome to the Vanguard Project. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. For those of you that don't know, this project is all about talking to folks, uh, making the most of their life, chasing their passions, hoping to get you all sorts of motivated to get up and get after yours. Today, we've got Greg Williams in the house. He's quickly becoming the sexy face of the great outdoors as the director of marketing for Everly Stock. Over the past year or so, uh, Greg and I have had some interaction and he's actually helped me rethink my approach to social media and rebuff my photography skills. So I'm super, super stoked to poke and prod you, man, to get your life story and share uh, how you got into your role. If you don't mind, dude, just uh, maybe kicking it off with an introduction and I'll start interrupting you from there. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, first of all, obviously, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, I am, uh, like you said, director of marketing of Everly Stock. Previously, uh, before that, I was going to school at Boise State, not originally from Idaho, moved up here from Southern California after getting out of the Army. I uh, did a pretty short and sweet stint in the Army, did a quick combat deployment to Afghanistan, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. And, you know, when I got out, my focus was on moving forward and finding a new passion and a new purpose. Uh, I think I've done that. Very, very grateful and uh, happy to be where I'm at in this industry and, and doing what I'm doing. So yeah, That's cool. So short and sweet stint in the Army. What made you want to join the Army? Yeah, I mean, there's there's... Plenty of reasons. Um, I think like a lot of kids growing up, like just kind of looking for direction. The truth is like, if I'm being completely honest, I'm very critical of myself and any group that I belong to or whatever. But in being critical to myself, I was kind of a fat, lazy, preppy kid from Orange County, California. And, you know, my, my father was an amazing dude and, and absolutely taught me how to work hard and do all those things. Um, but the truth is he worked his ass off so that my brother and I didn't have to. And so growing up, we had a really good life and that's something to celebrate and that's something to be thankful for. And I'm, you know, grateful for it every single day. My parents were amazing. My family was amazing, but it made me soft, right? Like there's that famous quote going around right now about, you know, like easy times make soft men. And I'm not going to steal the quote, but it's kind of that same concept. Like I had an easy life growing up. And I was kind of soft. I recognized that about myself. Like I had a father that was hard enough to, to make it obvious to me that I was not as hard as him and I wanted to be. <laughs> okay. And so I needed something in my life. I needed some adversity. I needed some experience, something that was going to force me to, to elevate myself to be the man that I wanted to be. And then there's, there's other factors, you know, cause there's a lot of ways that you can accomplish that, right? There's a lot of hard dudes out there that never even sniffed the military. It's not the only way to do it. But, you know, there was a long lineage of, of military service in my family. Uh, that was a big part of it, too. Uh, my older brother was in college, definitely not going into the military. And then I have one younger cousin from our generation of Williams that, you know, he was so much younger. We didn't know if he was going to join the military. And if I hadn't done it, I would have been the first in five or six generations or our generation would have been the five, first in five or six that didn't serve. Wow. And that was really important to me. Um, so that was a big factor, too. And then growing up, I always thought I was going to be a cop. I always thought I was going to be a police officer and I didn't think I was going to go to college. And so I wanted something that would be like a stepping stone to that. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously that's not the route that I went, but at the time that was a big part of why I did it. So it's, and there's plenty of other factors in there too. I mean, I want to kick down doors and shoot guns, right? Like every young man <laughs> wants to do that. But the biggest one by far was I, I was not as hard 
as I wanted to be. And I knew that, but I knew that I could get there. Yeah. So, so what do you mean by hard, right? I, I know what I think of when I think, you know, somebody being hard. Yeah. What does that mean to you? I mean, it, at the time, I don't think I had the answer to that. Okay. Like, I didn't know what I was seeking. I just knew that I didn't have it, right? Looking back now, I would look at what I took from the military. I would look at what I took from, like, those experiences. And I would say that I accomplished it. So kind of working backwards off of that... You know, I got to a point where I, I, the best way to summarize it, I got comfortable being uncomfortable. Okay. Like leaving Orange County for Fort Benning, Georgia. So I enlisted in the army as an infantryman. Uh, we can talk about that a little bit more at some point. But, you know, everybody goes to Fort Benning, Georgia if you're going to go infantry. So I flew out to a Fort Benning, Georgia, and I knew the second that plane took off from Los Angeles, I was like, oh, shit. What did I do? You know, but I, but exactly. I was like, Oh, you might've fucked up here, kid. (laughs) But I also knew that that was the type of feeling that I needed to get used to. Right. Like that was the discomfort that I need to be comfortable with. It's like, Hey, I'm starting something new. I don't know what I'm necessarily getting myself into, but I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to be okay. Like that mentality right there is what I picked up from the military. That's what I've applied to my entire life since leaving the military. And also while I was in the military, obviously, but that's not something I had before. Okay. Before that, I got into a situation I was uncomfortable with and I wanted to run. I wanted to shut down and, and this is not me and find an excuse and, you know, just some soft ass shit. And that is not who I wanted to be the rest of my life. Okay. Yeah. So what made you choose the army then, right? Of all the branches. Yeah. So and infantry specifically, right? Yeah. This is a, this, there's a lot to this, I guess. So I was a water polo and swimmer my entire life. Okay. Uh, I played a bunch of other sports too, but I settled into water polo and swim, was actually really good at it. And the natural progression from there is for a lot of guys either the Navy or the Coast Guard, right? Your swimmer, go do something around the water. For me, I, again, I wanted to kick down doors. I wanted to shoot guns. So I, 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 and I wanted to go to war. That was the other thing was like, I knew that I was in that generation that had an opportunity to be a part of something. I always looked at Vietnam, the Vietnam era. And I was like, I don't want to be that guy at the bar that doesn't have a war story. Okay. Now, that kind of sets this up in the wrong way because I didn't join for a war story. That's right. not, I joined because I was a patriot and I wanted to go serve my country. But my point being, like, I didn't want to be that guy that looked back and was like, I could have, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to, you know, I'm only 27 years old. I graduated high school in 2012. Uh, at that point, Iraq had already ended. I saw that Iraq was ending. They were starting to talk about pulling out of Afghanistan. Here we are nine, ten years later. Still hasn't happened. But I knew that that was coming. And so I needed to get there as fast as I could. I needed to get to war as fast as I could. And that meant get out of whatever training pipeline it took to be deployable. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I immediately started looking at, well, what are the fastest routes, you know, through that training, whatever training pipeline I was going to go to, to become deployable. And then after that, it's up to the needs of the military. And it's just kind of like, if you get lucky to go, great. So... I immediately narrowed it down to the Marine Corps and the Army because, again, wanted to shoot guns, kick down doors. So I knew that I wasn't going to go into, again, like it, going back to being soft, I didn't think that I had what it took to go into like a special operations pipeline or something like that. Looking back now, I probably did, but that's a game we could all play of who, you know, who knows and what if. And So immediately started looking at the Army and the Marine Corps. And then I actually had, I had really high... Uh, test scores, uh, GT scores, ASVAB scores, like all the all the written tests that I had done, I was scoring really high. And so obviously the recruiters wanted to put me into geospatial imagery, whatever, like shit that I still don't really know what it is, sure. right? And I was like... Not kicking down doors, shooting guns. Exactly. 
And so really long story short, I did one semester of college after high school and I sat between a Marine infantry dude and an army infantry dude in a history class. And so I was thinking about the military and so I started talking to those guys. I've always been really good at kind of taking information from the guys that came before me and using that knowledge to find focus in my life, find direction in my life, right? Like learn from the guys that have already done it, right? Both of those guys were like, dude, join the infantry. You'll never regret it. <laughs> and then I had one dude who was a mentor of mine, uh, Robbie True, love this dude to, the, to this day, who uh, he was two years ahead of me in high school and he had joined the army. He had already done deployment to Afghanistan. I've been talking to him about what should I do, this, that, and the other. He was the same way. He's like, join the infantry, dude. You'll never regret it. Sure enough, man, like, join the infantry. Do not regret it. Like, there's no part of me that identifies with the army. Everything I identify with is the infantry. And that's, like, that's my own bias. That's me being an arrogant infantry asshole. But, like, that's my community. Like, my community is the infantry dudes, the grunts, the, you know, yeah. on the ground just in the suck and I, and I was proud to be there. So that, that to me was, I want, again, I wanted to be hard. That was the hardest job, the hardest position that I could put myself in quickly and still get myself overseas before that shit ended. And luckily that's the way it worked out for me. Yeah. So what were the hardest parts then of that job? I mean, I can only imagine, right? I, I didn't serve and I have no, I have no real preconceived notion of what, in, well, I have a preconceived notion of what infantry is, but not does. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's, it's, it, I mean, we could talk about that for just hours and hours because you can join the infantry and get tasked with some, you know, admin job or whatever. For me personally, long story short, the way it went was I, I got assigned to my unit. As, to my knowledge, every, it might not be every, but at least most infantry brigades have, uh, or I'm sorry, battalions. At the battalion level, they'll have a scout or recon platoon. Depending on where you go, they call it either the scout platoon or the recon platoon. And so they basically take, your PT studs and occasionally they'll look at your test scores. And if you're, you know, sort of above the average for your average infantry dude, they'll, they'll send you over the recon or scout platoon and you can kind of like try out for that. And if you make it great, if not, you get kicked down to one of the regular line platoons. So I got sent over there and uh, I thought I was a PT stud, but those are like, those are the PT studs. So like <laughs> I was not a PT stud when I first got there. Uh, but I was smart. Uh, like, you know, it's, I feel arrogant saying that a little bit, but I was an intelligent dude and there's, you know, we had a sniper section. We, we were doing, we were doing more than just following direction and kicking down doors and shooting guns. There was a little bit more to it. And so for that reason, they kept me around. I was an intelligent dude and you can get better at PT. I got better at PT. So that's what I did. I did recon, scout work, a lot of observation stuff. You know, obviously, like, I, again, I could talk about this for hours and hours, but without going too far into it, it's all you're setting up observation posts and, and kind of leading the direction of the line platoons that may, might be going into a village or whatever it is, right? But different, different mission set. And then on our deployment, we actually got tasked out with PSD, which is personal security detail or private security detail. Um, so we got tasked out with the RC South commander. So the entire southern region of Afghanistan, there was a two-star general that was the commander of the entire region. And we were dedicated to, or we were tasked to be dedicated to him as his personal security detail. The really cool thing about that was, so I deployed in June of 2014. By that time, the war was definitely still going on. Like the war is still going on, but it's, it's not what it was in 2008, 2009, right. you know, like when it was real hot. In 2014, was really starting to wind down a little bit. Um, and so a lot of dudes that were getting deployed as infantry guys were doing like FOB security or, you know, like they weren't really leaving the wire. We just weren't out there hitting it hard. Like soft guys still were, yeah. but conventional army was kind of drawn back. The Marine Corps had drawn back a ton. 
the really cool thing about that deployment for me, even though a lot of guys that were in the community, were in the service, will hear PSD and they're like, ah, that sucks. Because it, it's not like, especially as an infantry guy, you're like, I don't want to be following around a two-star general, like being a bullet sponge for this guy. I want to go, you know, take the take the war to the to the enemy. But the cool thing for me was it was like it was one of the few it was one of the few missions that you could get at that time that you were still going to be out on the ground every single day uh you know out in the city and getting after it yeah and so had i not gotten that mission i don't know what we would have gotten but there's a good chance we would not have gotten a, a mission where i got to go out and really ex- it's still experience afghanistan right as dumb as that sounds like that's what i wanted right i wanted to see another part of the world i wanted to go out there and that's yeah, a purpose driven decision exactly so in my eyes, I got lucky just based on timing. Again, if it had been 08, 09, I'd be pissed if I had gotten tasked out with PSD. But right. at the time, it was it was the best thing for me. I was 19, yeah, 19 years old, rolling around with, you know, we'd bring in, we defend or uh, we guarded the uh, Secretary of Defense one time, came into Afghanistan, whatever. So we got to work with the Secret Service. Or we'd go out, we'd look at, you know, the, like the, the Taliban was using opium and, and marijuana and stuff to like fund their stuff. And so we'd go out, we'd look at shit like that. And so we'd be working with the DEA or we'd be working with Homeland Security or whatever. So I got a lot of really unique experiences at a very young age. Got a lot of experience around uh, what we call brass, right? So you're like high-ranking officers, high-ranking enlisted guys, which translates really well to what I'm doing now, just being used to being around those like high-level dudes. It, it was just all around a, a great experience that I probably wouldn't have gotten with a more conventional and typical mission in a typical or conventional uh, unit. We were still a conventional unit by all means, but point being, it was a, it was a unique experience yeah. um, and one that I very much value and, and look back on with nothing but, nothing but... Bond memories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you've got a kid, let's say, let's say you're you, right? Or you meet somebody that's like you in college, coming out of high school, right? And they're like, hey, fuck, I don't know. I don't know who I want to be. I don't know what I want to do. You know, military's always been an option. What are you going to tell them? What, what would be life Shit. advice that you've got? It, it's tough, man. I mean, it, where, I guess where I'm at now in life, what I would tell people is to to pick something that you're you're passionate about, right? Because it just depends on the person. Like, there's there's plenty of people that I would never recommend going in the infantry. It's it's uh, again, like I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's the hardest thing in the world. You know, you compare that to guys that go through the soft pipeline or, and get into soft units or whatever, and they're doing way cooler shit and whatever. But it, it's a hard culture to be a part of, man. Like it's it, you know, that we weed out our week, and if you're not if you're not ready to get your shit pushed in a little bit, at least initially, yeah. you're gonna have a hard time with that. So depending on who I'm talking to, like kids like me. There were athletes and like had the potential to be uh, an alpha dude, if that makes sense. I'd say, yeah, go in the infantry. Like if you don't know what you want to do, like it's a good, it's a good place to go because it's just going to make you hard. Like it's going to make you tough. But if you've got some direction in your life and you're like, this is what I want to do eventually. I just know that I want to use the military as a stepping stone. Then I would tell you, pick something that's going to be applicable to what you want to do in the long run. Yeah. Right. Cause like, I thought I was going to be in for 20 years. I thought I was going to be in a, for as a, a career. You don't know what's going to happen. Like once you get there, like everything changes. So like plan for what's next. And if you decide to stay in, great. If you don't, use it as a stepping stone to where you want to go next. That's the best advice I can give you is like just what do you want to do next? And for me, I didn't know the infantry was a great place. I just knew that I wanted to get tough. Yeah, That was the right thing for me. So when you say think about what you want to do next, are you talking like next inside the military, outside 
No, outside, for sure. Yeah. Because inside, it's like, once you're in, you can go do a lot of things. Now, like, there's probably dudes, la- like, listening to this and laughing because, like, once you get in, like, your recruiter, for example, will tell you, like, oh, just get in, and then you can go to Airborne, and you can do, do this, you can go to that. Want, yeah. yeah, you don't have that kind of autonomy in the military, dude. Like, it's, if, if they don't want to send you to do something cool, then, like, you just needs of the military, dude. Like, yeah. it is what it is. So, like... I'm talking about when you get out Mm -hmm. again, like if you want to be, you know, if you want to go into operations, like if you want to work in business, you want to go into operations, then pick a job that has something to do with operations, like learn something. Right. Because I will say like the one downside to the infantry and like any infantry dude listen to this right now is going to agree with me. You get out and you're like, how do I put this on a resume? (laughs) Right. Like how do I, how do I tell a company that my experience kicking doors and throwing grenades is going to really help drive their ROI? It's tough, dude. Yeah. It's tough. But then that goes into the conversation of like, the, you know, education afterwards, which I'd love to talk about because I'm a huge advocate for that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, plan for what's next. And, and let me also say this. The last thing I'll say about it is there's no wrong answer. Like if you go in and you think that you're going to get out and be that operations guy. And so you picked an operations job in the military and you get out and you decide like, that's not what I want to do. Cool. Most companies are going to look at you you know, when you get out and you're pursuing a new career or whatever, they're going to look at you and go, okay, he's a vet. And like, that's kind of it. Like they don't really care about like what you did and cause it doesn't translate that well. Yeah. Let's be honest. It just well that in like, I mean, having been the guy that's hiring people, right? Like I know that just because you've got one focus, the skills that you've mastered in some way, shape or form are so translatable to other ways, right? Yeah, it's exactly. Like, tell me what you're good at because if you're not passionate about it, it doesn't matter. Right. right? Like, it, 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 you're not going to help because you're not going to be into it as much. So. Yeah. And it's the it's really the intangible shit that you pick up in the military that's valuable after the fact. It's it's being comfortable with diversity, right? Like, there's guys from all walks of life that come to the military, and you're going to learn how to interact with anybody and everybody, and you're going to learn how to be professional, and you're going to learn how to show up on time and in the right uniform, and, like, all those things, right? So it kind of checks that box of like, this guy can be a professional, mm-hmm. right? I will say that. Like anybody in the military is going to learn how to be a professional. You're going to learn how to take direction from leadership, go execute, get feedback, yada, yada, yada. And so like the actual job that you're doing is not as important as just the fact that you were there and you were you proved, you were, you were able to prove that, hey, I can be a professional. Yeah, there's some other value that you're yeah. providing. Okay. Exactly. So moving moving to the education piece. Yeah. Right? So you, when you retired, you went yep. to Boise State, you said, right? Yeah, not immediately. Okay. I, I had a very extravagant journey through the, through education. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's talk about how did you, I guess, what, what was the, you came out. Did you want to go straight into school or you're like, I need a party, get the hell out of here for a little while? No. So that if, you know, if I can give anybody advice getting out, I would say get after it, like get out and get after it. Like a lot of guys are like, I'm going to take a few months off and da 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 And you end up falling into a routine and you end up taking some job that'll just pay your bills. And you kind of just like set that path for, for, you know, average. For me, I was working less than 24 hours after I left my duty station. I wasn't even out of the military yet. So there's terminal leave, if you're familiar with that. Like basically whatever leave you have banked up, you can use that at the end of your enlistment to be discharged that amount of time early. So I had 60 days leave, Mm -hmm. okay, which is like usually the cap. You can get out up to 60 days early. You're still technically in the military. You're just on leave, but they let you, you know, turn in your gear and go home and like you're, you're out, right? So... I left my duty for for me for example. I left my duty station Fort Hood on December 25th, Christmas Day, 
2015, I actually came off active duty officially in February of 16, right? Because I had that 60 days banked up. But December 26th, you were working. I was working. <laughs> now, granted, I was coaching water polo and swim, so it wasn't like a huge deal, but I was also already enrolled in classes okay. in, in college. And, and I didn't really want to go back to school, but I there was a lot of value. The GI Bill is incredible, and one of the things that the GI gives you is a housing allowance as long as you're a full-time student. So I looked at that, and I was like, dude, I can make money. I was living back in Orange County, California. It's based on where you live. It's a high-cost living area, so I was going to make a good chunk of money every month just to go to school. So I was like, okay, I'm probably not going to finish school, but I'm going to start school because it's income and it'll let me be productive while I'm trying to figure out what I want to do next. So I was immediately back in school. I was immediately working. And that is by far the single greatest thing that I did for my transition was I didn't take time off. I was just like, hey, new mission, right? Like I'm moving on from this, moving into this. I don't need a, a... a period in between to transition. Like right. the best way you can transition is just find a new mission and get the fuck out. So was it hard for you coming out and not knowing exactly what you wanted to do going into school? Like knowing knowing that you needed to go to school obviously is one thing and, and starting to execute to that, but not knowing necessarily what you want to do with it, it was that a challenge for you? It wasn't, it wasn't. It, it wasn't because I was young. So I was still 21. I went in at 18. I did a three-year enlistment. I was out right before I turned 22 years old. But I was young enough that, you know, I moved back home with my parents because, again, didn't really know what I was going to do. So I moved back home with my parents, which was a good situation for me, right? Like I come from a good family and a good area and yada, yada. I had a good support system, a good network, good foundation, whatever you want to call it. And that's not always the case for everybody. Like some guys I tell, like, don't go home, right? You came from some shitty town with bad influences and yada, yada, stay away from that. But if you have a good one, like, yeah, I went back to it. Now, guys that are in, like, their late 20s or early 30s or whatever, it's going to be a little bit different for them probably. But, no, in that case, I didn't have a hard time because, like, I had options. And and in my case, it was my option was to move back home with my parents. I didn't really have to worry about a housing situation. So I could just – I had time to – again, like, I was doing things that were productive. and, And then I had time to, like, figure it out in between. On the other hand, I did have a difficult time just in that I, you know, I changed my major a couple times. I went to different schools and I came up here to go to a trade school because I thought I wasn't going to finish college and that didn't work out for me. That's how I ended up back at BSU. And, you know, so there was definitely like ups and downs and speed bumps along the way for sure. But overall, like looking back, I mean, as lo- like for me, my thing was just keep doing productive shit. Like whatever it ends up being, you can figure it out along the way. Just don't ever stop. Like don't ever pause. Just, you know, keep yourself busy with something productive. And even if it doesn't work out, just find something else productive and pursue that then. And that's what I did. I bounced around and pursued three or four different things. and it, But it eventually worked itself out because I was productive that entire time. Okay. You're, when you're coming out of the military, right? What are you mentioned? You mentioned just you tell you tell some guys, right? When they get out, hey, don't go home. It's a shitty environment, right? Yeah. What are other things that you would recommend folks avoid? The, I mean, for me, it's all mentality driven, right? It's not like one specific thing because it it's easy for me to be like, oh, you came from a shitty neighborhood, don't go back there. Like, I, I don't, I didn't come from a shitty neighborhood. I don't know what that's like. So, like, it's not fair for me to to say that like that's gonna lead you down some bad road. For me, it's more it's more the mentality. The the biggest thing that, that I think guys struggle with is we as a culture, or I'm sorry, we as a community being the veteran community, I fear that we're getting we're getting too soft, right? Like the war is winding down a little bit, and naturally what comes with that is a softer generation, if you will. 
it's amazing to me, amazing in a good way. Like it's amazing to me to see how many like veteran advocacy groups there are out there and how much support there is for people and da, 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 da. The one thing that you have to avoid with that, it's a slippery slope and that like, you've got to avoid the victim mentality. And that's probably the thing that drives me nuts more than anything about the veteran community is there's a lot of guys that fall into the victim mentality and they're like, oh, I'm mentally fucked up. I can't function in the civilian world. To me, that is just the softest, just to most toxic fucking approach that you could have to life possible. Okay. Nobody gives a shit. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna be totally honest with you. Like you get out, you you did three gnarly fucking deployments, Afghanistan, Iraq, whatever. Not gonna lie to you, so the civilian world looks at you the exact same way they look at some guy that was in supply, never deployed, never did shit. Like and, and not to diminish those guys, it's not my point, but it's like you're a vet. Okay, that's the extent of it. Like you're you're just you're a vet. To to get out and try and like lean on a crutch of like I did this, 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 and this, and like now I'm fucked up or whatever, it, it's not gonna lead you anywhere, dude. So you gotta pull yourself out of that mentality and just look at it as like I'm not a victim. And again, go I'm, I'm just kind of beating a dead horse here, but how do I move forward? Yeah. So that's a that's a good that's a good point, right? There are a lot of groups out there that, that do support veterans, right? I mean it's you pull it up, you Google it, you can find anything. Yeah. How how would you suggest a guy that, that might or a gal that might find themselves in that rut in, in saying, Hey, I am the victim, right? I am the victim of something. You know, and they might not know how to pull themselves out of it, right? How, how do you suggest somebody be like, hey, I need to get myself out of this rut? Well, you know, if we're specifically talking about like the, the you know, advocacy groups or support groups or whatever like that, I would tell you those are good things. Like I'm not by any means like diminishing yeah, what that's they not do. What I heard, right, right. Okay. right. But my point being like there, there are resources out there that can be very productive and healthy for guys. But with the wrong mentality of like thinking like I'm going to show up and they're just going to baby me back into like a functioning adult in society. Mm -hmm. That's not the way that shit works. Like you still have to apply yourself and you still have to proactively pursue those opportunities. Okay. And like, that's what I'm getting at. Right? Yeah. Like I, I did that, you know, like the GI Bill is an example of that. Like people complain about the VA all the time, right? The VA is a pain in the ass and it's, it's not easy, but like. That's an excuse to be like, oh, the VA is a pain in the ass and my GI Bill's fucked up or this, that, and the other, like whatever. Dude, go out there and advocate for yourself first by mm -hmm. pursuing those opportunities. And then when you get an opportunity to, to have somebody that's willing to help you, again, like the GI Bill is kind of a weird example of this, but like the GI Bill helps you. It's out there. Go find it. Go do the steps that you have to do and don't expect somebody to lead you to it and like put you in school and take your classes for you and all that. If you really want to better your life, that's what those groups resources, whatever you want to call it, advocacy groups, whatever. That's what they're out there for, is for you to come to them and say, what can you do to help me? This is what I'm doing for myself. But for you to just show up and think that somebody's going to lead you through life because you served in Iraq or Afghanistan, it's not that way and it fucking shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it, of our community. Yeah, that's it's interesting because that's something that you know I've wanted to ask about too right is exactly what we just talked about is is you know you get folks that come out and they want they want to do something but they don't know how yeah right and you know i definitely like you know i didn't serve but i've definitely found myself in a rut too where it's like hey like you know i definitely have my own fucking issues right like everybody does and it's like hey how do i how do i help myself get out yeah of that rut and it's hard i think for some people to say i need help and being able to take that next step and being like, hey, here's how I do it, right? Yep. Exactly. Okay, so Greg, you're jacked. 
<laughs> uh, you're a healthy dude, right? I know, like, we've been, I've known you for a couple of years now. For somebody that is coming out of the military, I think everybody knows that physical fitness helps a lot with mental health, confidence, all of these other things, right? What would you suggest for dudes coming out of the military to be physically fit and healthy? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's two part. Uh, so that, you know, you have your physical health and your mental health, and those are cyclical. Your, your mental health will absolutely drive your physical health, and your physical health will absolutely drive your mental health, right? It's overall wealth, uh, health and well-being. So, I mean, what I would say is, you know, you come out of the military, expect, like you're expected to be physically fit and active, right? maintain that like i don't care and dude, fuck the veteran community like if you're a human being living on this earth you should be physically healthy is my opinion but specifically talking about vets like don't get out of that routine like i never lost that routine man i was waking up every day and i was putting myself through gnarlier pt when i got out of the military than what i was doing in the military it's good for you like i, I there you can't argue against that it is good for you um and that impacted my mental health because I was confident and I was, you know, I felt good about myself. Those are important things. And then like on the mental health side of things, I, I, there's a couple things. One, you need direction. We've talked about that a lot, but you just need direction so that you feel like you're being productive and, and contributing to society and doing good things with your life. You know, my, my personal uh, opinion is like guys really, guys and girls, like we keep saying guys and dudes and stuff, but for the record, guys and girls, really need to uh, take a different perspective on on therapy or counseling. Mm -hmm. I've been I've been you know, I was super like super hesitant to do it and it was like five years ago that I realized like I'm not in a good mental place. Let me try that. Like let me see if this is something productive and positive for me. And I've been going ever since. Yeah. And it's like, dude, there's this weird stigma out there that it like somehow makes you weak or like whatever. It's like dude, it's literally an opportunity to go vent to a professional about what's going on in your life and that they, they may or may not give you good direction that helps you move forward, but not going, you, they're definitely not going to help you, right? But if you go, they might. I, I'm a huge advocate for for that, taking care of your mental health. Yeah, I 100% agree. And and I you know, have firsthand experience with the therapy part of it too, right? How did you get over that stigma and just saying, fuck it, I know that I need help, let's do this? I did that. I said, okay. fuck it, I know I need help. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's kind of it. Like if you're looking for something to like change your perspective on it, you know, uh, hopefully guys like me can do that for people and like in encouraging them to go do it. So I'm sure to be fair, I'm, I'm sure I can't remember specifically. I'm sure there was someone or multiple people that I had heard advocate for it and felt like, okay, well, I'll give it a chance. I honestly don't remember exactly what drove me to do it. But at the end of the day, it was like I identified a need to improve my mental health and I identified an opportunity to do it and then pursued that. Okay. It's pretty much that simple. Yeah. So for you then the benefits of therapy then would be what? Clearer train of thought? If there's somebody out there that's like, hey, I need, I need to be sold on therapy. Sure. It's like initially I think it's clarity. It's literally just an opportunity to talk to someone that is being paid to be a captive audience and listen to you explain what it is that is, that is driving you. Uh, crazy or, or you know that's not a good way to say it but like giving you giving you a problem yeah. giving but you, you feel that way yeah exactly sure. yeah. so like for me like when I first started going I was like I didn't really know why I was going like I didn't I didn't have something specific in my head that I was like I need to talk about this and you kind of just like start talking let the professional be the professional and ask the questions and lead that conversation and you start like I learned so much about myself in therapy 
Like, if nothing else, that's the reason I keep going. It's like, I'm still learning about myself. So, like, why not? You know, and that's, I think that's the case with any human interaction, any interpersonal communication. You're going to learn about yourself. It's just, this is a dedicated place with a dedicated person that is here for that purpose. I mean, it's, it, again, it's, it's kind of, I feel like I'm oversimplifying everything, but it was literally for me, it was just, I'll figure it out along the way, but I know that right now shit is broken and this might fix it. And again, if I had felt like it wasn't fixing it, then I probably would have stopped going. For me, it, I don't want to say it fixed it, but I, I'm definitely improving and my life is definitely better because of that choice I made to go and pursue that. Yeah. Have you found that counseling has been easy? Like, has it been an easy fix for you to go down that road? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's, again, this is where it's like, it's hard for me to say this, like, and, for everybody. Yeah, for everybody. And like, if, it, if, if this isn't your answer, you're doing something wrong. That's not the case. But for me, I, I work with a counselor that I absolutely love her and trust her. And, and she's been great to me. Like, if you don't feel a connection with the person that you're talking to, then like, yeah, maybe you should go like look for somebody else. But again, like, you're not going to know that if you don't at least take that chance and like, and take that step and go find out. So for, for me, it was easy. In some cases, it's probably not going to be easy. Uh, but there's there's other options out there too. Again, it's it's kind of that whole thing. Like just pursue that opportunity and see where it takes you. So how did you find a counselor? Did you just Google it and you're like, this is who it is, or was it a recommendation? Uh, so it's assigned through the VA. Okay. So I'm 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 on the VA medical, um, which most guys are or at least have the access to. Um, and so that that one's super easy. The the VA like the, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that they're great at it. But they definitely pay attention to mental health. Yeah. Um, again, whether or not they're great at it, that's up for debate, and I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. In my case, though, again, I, I I would say I got lucky with a very very relatable and competent counselor that I just feel comfortable with and trust, and can go in there and just be very honest with her. And more often than not, I end up just rambling, <laughs> but it but it eventually leads me to go oh, that's what's been bothering me for the last two weeks or however long it's been or whatever. And then there's like consistent things that will come up over the course of multiple months or years or whatever that you're like, okay, that's one of the big pain points in my life and I need to address that specifically. And other times it's like I leave there and I'm like, I really just needed to talk about it. I'm glad that I talked about it and, you know, that that's kind of the end of it. You just It's it's hard to say, man. It's going to be different for everybody, but you're not going to learn if you don't take that step and go find out. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I, I second the rambling. Right. Yeah. Every now and then I walk in, I'm like, what the fuck did I just talk about? Yep. Um, do you ever, so I guess when you first started going, did you have like this sense of like, ah, I don't really want to be here. Fuck. I feel weird. This is not good. I feel kind of shamed into being here. Or were you like, no, I, this, this is it. I know, I know that there's a, this is productive for me. Yeah. That's a really, that's honestly a really good question. Uh, I did. I had a lot of hesitancy to go. I had a lot of like shame and guilt in going for me. It was because you know, again, I talked about my deployment. My deployment was a pretty easy one. Like we got, we got to do a little bit of shit here and there, but like for the most part, it was not the Ramadi 2005 constant fucking chaos. It, you know, it was late in the war and we had a mission that was specifically designed to keep us out of trouble. Right. Like, and so for the most part we did. So I had this weird feeling of guilt in that, like, I don't know that I've earned the right to feel this way. Okay. And that is a really toxic mentality. Yep. That, that's a really toxic mentality to, to try and like compare your experiences against somebody else. Because the truth is, like, like here I am a few years later having done this. I realize like, most of the shit that I struggle with, quote unquote, and the, the shit that I'm addressing with a counselor honestly has nothing related to combat. 
It's, you know, it's, it's all identity stuff. It's all purpose stuff. It's, you know, I've had other things come up in my life that I feel like I need to talk about, whatever. But my point being, like, when I first started going, I was like, I don't know what to talk about. Like, I didn't, you know, I didn't watch my buddies get blown up and I didn't this, that, and the other. And, and, you know, I've lost friends, don't get me wrong. But I didn't have that type of experience where I was like, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to talk about this day and this moment when I, when this happened. And I didn't really have that like specific thing that I felt like I needed to go. But again, I just felt in my in myself that something was off and, and, and I wasn't mentally healthy. Mm-hmm. And again, that's, that's where I go back to like, you have to go and take that step to kind of find out. In some cases, there's guys that are probably going to go and they know exactly what is bothering them. And they need to address this particular thing. But I had a lot of guilt and shame, again, around just like, oh, I don't know that I did enough to really justify needing to talk to a counselor. At the end of the day, dude, if you need to talk to a counselor because you don't like the, the way that you look, go talk to a fucking counselor. Like, it's it's not going to, it can't hurt you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You might find it unproductive and you might find it useless. And obviously, I'm not actually advocating that you go talk to a counselor and take up resources and stuff for dumb shit. But my point being is, like, you've got to get away from that mentality of, like, comparing yourself against what somebody else did because there's always a badder motherfucker out there. And so if you're just going to wait until you've earned that right, it's just not going to fucking happen. get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point because there are some things that, you know, you might not think are important, relatively speaking, but you can't compare because what's important to you, and I've had to learn this, right, is what's important to you is not what's important to somebody else. Yeah. And... That's not for you to judge. Yeah. And that's why counselors are there is to go get help because of stuff like that. Yeah, man. I mean, I know dudes that, I mean, I know dudes that did five deployments to Iraq and, and, you know, put a lot of dudes in the dirt and they sleep fine at night and they're just like, whatever, man, it was just my job. And that's like what I did, but their dog passing away fucks them up. Yeah. And I know other dudes that, you know, got into a couple firefights and may or may not have, you know, smoked somebody or, or they may or may, you know, they had a buddy get hurt or whatever that that's what fucks them up. But their, their mother passing away is like no big deal. Right. Like everybody reacts to things different. It's just, it's not for anybody else to judge. It's not for anybody else to worry about, like focus on yourself, improve your own mental health. And, like, get away from comparing yourself to other dudes out there. We went to war for 20-something years, or I guess we're at 20 years right now. Went to war for 20 years in two different countries, realistically three or four different countries. There's a lot of dudes out there that have had a lot of experiences. And, like, if you're just going to try and compare yourself against all those and decide whether or not you stack up and you've earned the right to feel a certain way, A, it's not going to happen, and B, it doesn't fucking matter. Just take care of yourself. Whatever the reason is, whatever the purpose is, and whatever the 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 uh, the necessary action to get better is, go do that. Worry about that. Yeah. So throughout your your time working through a counselor, then man, do you feel like it was a pretty quick way to, to get to an answer? Or do you feel like you know the problems that you were facing? It took a while for you to kind of overcome and understand what it what what it, what it was that you were looking at. Oh shit, man! It's still ongoing. Like I said, like I'm still I'm still going. Uh, because I still feel like every time I go, I gain something new from it. Mm-hmm. So like initially, you know, my first few visits to go, uh, to go see a counselor, I, I still had that hesitancy because I'm like, this is dumb. Like, but we got to realize it's kind of like a funnel. Like your counselors got to get to know you. They got to get to know, you know, you're different. Like, and they'll start following a rabbit hole and then realize like it kind of just like dead ends. There's nothing there. Okay. Then now we need to back up. We need to pursue something else. 
like they're learning you again. It's like a funnel. Like you start out with like this very broad. Like you're gonna talk about a lot of different shit. And you're gonna huge data dump. Yeah, exactly. And it's it that takes weeks. Like in most cases, you're probably sitting down for like an hour once a week or so. Like at best, it's like that's gonna take a long time. Here I am, four or five years later, whatever it's been. I'm still learning about myself. I'm always going to be learning about myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'll stay in counseling or therapy, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I don't know that I'll stay in it forever. But I still, I, I get to a point now where like I'll go four or five months uh, on a break and I'll try and like work on those things myself. And I think that's important too. That's something else to talk about is like you got to go then apply those things for yourself. And so I do think it's good to take breaks at times and yeah. see like where did I improve. Yourself. Yeah. And then, hey, you know what? I'm falling back into a rut. Now I need to go back, get consistent again, like kind of identify some new opportunities to get better, so on and so forth. But you've got to give it a chance. Like if you think you're going to go in there one time and you're going to come out as Buddha with all the answers <laughs> to the world, it just ain't going to happen, dude. Yeah. It's just not that way. you got to give it a chance. you got to give it a fair shake. you got to give your counselor a fair shake. And that's the other thing. you got to be genuinely – you got to go into it with an open mind. You can't go in there with that hesitancy. Like you can go in there with the hesitancy, but you got to let that guard down and just be honest and just brain dump everything and see what comes of it. That's a really good point, right? If you're going to go in with the open mind, you have to be willing to talk. Yeah. Right? Because if you don't start sharing, you're getting nowhere, right? Yeah. And the chance you're giving is half-assed at best. Yep. And I think specifically for for the veteran community, because like we're talking about therapy counseling like as a whole, right? That applies to everyone. But if yeah. we're talking about veterans, the veteran community as a whole, I think that a lot of times guys go in there with that hesitancy and and then can't figure out why they're not making progress. Mm-hmm. It's like it's kind of ridiculous to think that you're going to go in there and you're going to be like totally closed off to this and you're going to be a little bit you know, frustrated with it. or what, You can go in there with a shitty attitude and get positive results. It's unrealistic. You got to go in there and embrace it. And like I said, it's not going to hurt you. Go in there and try it. Like worst case scenario, this counselor, therapist, whatever they are, they're going to see a thousand more clients in their life. They're going to forget about you. Don't worry about telling them your secrets. Go in there and just be honest. Tell them what's bothering you and then let them kind of drive the conversation, pull on that thread and see if they can kind of, you know, find the root of what's really causing that imbalance for you. Yeah. Have you felt like too coming out of those sessions that you've got a little bit of a, a direction and a mission on things to go work on? Like, do you feel that when you come out, you've got guidance and action to go, to go act on? Yeah. But I would tell you like in the, again, I keep saying four or five years, it's been five, yeah, four. So it's been four years. Right. And I would say in that four years, there's probably three really solid pieces of information that I was able to take and go apply. And that's not because the rest of the time was a waste of time. It was the rest of that time was finding those three things. Like culmination of. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a process. And then again, you gotta kinda like take that, go apply it. That takes time to sort of let it implement in your life and see how it changes and then go back and, and figure out another step forward and, and so on and so forth. So yeah, it's it's you're gonna get you're gonna have like light bulb moments. But they're not going to be every week or every month or anything like that. There's going to be a lot of grinding in between that leads to, okay, there's a light bulb moment. I can go apply that. My life just got better. Yeah. Okay. So did you feel like the speed of life changed for you at all then? I mean, it sounded like you were insanely busy, I think, throughout your time in the Army. Oh, yeah. Coming straight into school and work, right? I mean, that's a gigantic fucking change. Yeah. Was there any difficulties that you had throughout that? 
No, not really. Uh, I mean, it, it's hard because I don't, I don't want to answer this as like a blanket statement for all veterans or whatever. You can't do it. Like everybody's different. But for me, uh, no, the, again, I was like, I was so young. My, my career, my army career was like so short and sweet. And like, it was exactly what I wanted to get out of it. It was, there was nothing but, you know, nothing but things to celebrate when I got out. I was like, dude, I did exactly what I wanted to do. We had a successful deployment. Da, 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 da. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, carried plenty of baggage out of the military. But I did what I would recommend anybody to do, which is just temporarily put that behind you, move forward. And like, once you've reestablished yourself with a new identity and a new direction, a new mission, mm-hmm. then you can kind of go back and, and revisit that stuff. That's where I'm at in my life right now is... Five, what is, what are we at? Five years later? Yeah, we're. I've been out for five years. I'm just now getting to a point where I can kind of look back on those times and feel like I can visit, like mentally visit those experiences and those times without letting them draw me off course of where I'm at now. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so what advice would you offer for somebody to help maybe suspend, I guess, who they were in the Army in order to re-identify? Again, tough. Don't want to answer this for everybody because everybody's got a <laughs> it's different loaded. opinion. It's on loaded, this. Yeah. but it's, it's nice to hear kind of what yeah. you went through. Right? Yeah, in my experience, what I think was successful for me is I separated myself from the veteran community and a veteran and the, the active duty community. Like anything military, I separated myself from it. Okay. A lot of guys would tell you the opposite, right? Like, hey, those are your people, and you know, embrace that and find people that are in the same transition phase that you are. Yada yada. But for me, what I saw was like, I'm never going back to that. So I didn't want to like, I didn't want to deeply root myself in that community and, and continue to like go that direction. It's funny because like now I'm, I'm back in that community, yeah, right? Pretty full force. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but again, my point is like, it wouldn't have worked out the way it did if I hadn't made the choices that I did, which was to separate myself from it, go get my education, go establish a life and then come back to it when I'm ready. Okay. Right, like, and I came back to it when when I was ready, when I had accomplished some new things, and felt like, okay, I have a new identity on the on the outside, and I'm in a, a healthier place to to now go again, revisit that without letting that steer the direction of my life. Okay, okay. So I know you're a big education guy yep. now, right? Yeah. For you know, veterans, folks coming out of the military, what do you want to tell them? To motivate them to go to school. Well, the easy answer on that, honestly, is is financially motivated. Again, like for me, the housing allowance was like this is too easy, dude. Like I can, I can survive. And again, this isn't applicable for everybody. If you're coming out with like four kids or whatever, your housing allowance is probably not going to be enough for you to to work with, right? But it, you know, in my case, the, again, the easy answer is if nothing else, just go to school just to collect BAH, right? Like, and I'm not saying like don't put in effort or whatever just be there to collect a check but i mean like if that's the motivation it takes for you like okay there's that's awesome outside of that though i would tell you like again it's about finding that new mission and like what do i want to do in the future and recognizing that like education's a stepping stone to that there's plenty of people out there that say you don't need to go to college and they're right you don't need to but i'll tell you it makes it easier yeah. makes it a lot easier and so if you can do it like if you can if you have the financial means to do it and the living situation to do it and, and the time and whatever else it takes to get you there do that like go get your education the the most frustrating thing for me um again i'm i'm critical of myself and i'm critical of any group that i belong to so i am critical of the veteran community the most frustrating thing for me to hear is when guys get out and they're like, I can't go back to school. I'm an idiot. That's why I joined the military and I, and I can't go to school. 
it's so frustrating to me because it's like, I promise you there's nothing that you will face in school that is more challenging than what you did in the military. It's the, when you go to school, you get professors that give you an outline of exactly what they expect, right? Like they, you're going to write this paper and it's going to be on this topic and da, 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 da. What you hear a lot from guys in their transition is like what they lose from the military is direction. Like I'm used to being told what to do, where to go, when to do it, da, 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 da. Dude, school becomes the perfect transition for that, in my opinion. Because, again, you show up to class, they tell you when to be there, they tell you what to bring, they tell you what you're going to do between now and the next time you come back, like, they give you yeah, that direction. Pretty much everything but what to wear. <laughs> exactly, yeah, pretty much everything except for what to wear. So, for me, the, again, like, the best thing that I can tell somebody is to just, you got to change your perspective and not look at it as something that, like, oh, I don't really want to do this, but look at it as something that this is going to be productive and healthy for me, so I have to do this. Okay. Okay. So you studied business, right? Yep. What, what specifically? So I, I, did, I double majored business administration and then human resource management. Okay. So I wanted business administration as sort of a blanket, umbrella, you know, coverall in business, and then... Um, like I said, I'm I'm a team guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like forming teams and investing in our team. Like I'm not a, I'm not a tactician as far as like like I'm the director of marketing, and I can't edit a photo. I, I can't take a photo. <laughs> like that's not what I'm good at. But what I am really good at is making sure that the team is cohesive and synergetic, and we've got the pieces that we need. We're doing the thing. Like I'm really good at finding the direction that we need to go and then making sure that we keep going in that direction. So that's where like the human resource management side of things came in uh, and and wanted to pursue that. Obviously, it's not like necessarily where I ended up, but I also do double as like kind of our pseudo HR guy mm-hmm. too. Um, You're the hiring and firing guy? Uh, fortunately, not the firing <laughs> guy. But I do, but I, yeah, I am sort of our recruiter. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm recruiter slash hiring manager. And there's other guys that play a role in that, obviously, but I kind of lead point on it. So yeah, anyways, that's that that double majored in, in business administration and human resource management. Okay. So with those, do you feel like there was some opportunities that were created out of that? So coming out of school, what opportunities did you have to take the next step? Did you have, um, what was the mission after that for you? Well, so it's funny, like I was actually, when I went back to Boise State, that was my third time going back to school. So I had gone to school for one semester right out of high school, then joined the army, went back to school when I got out of the army. Mm-hmm. And then left traditional college to go to a trade school. It was physically, like my body was super banged up coming out of the army. Yeah. Went to a trade school to, to do uh, power line work. And it was like, I was like, I didn't know anything about it. You know, looking yeah. back, it was like, what, what, were, you, what, what were you doing? <laughs> yeah. It, physically, I was just like, dude, my body can't handle this for 30 years. This is crazy. And so I went back to Boise State. And then, so again, third time going back. My bad. What was the original question here? <laughs> what, what, uh, I guess after, so after you graduated. Oh, right. Yep. Right. I'm sorry. No, you're good. So the, the third time going back, I just fell in love with it somehow and like just became like a business nerd and wanted to learn more. Did really well in school. I was a 4.0 student. Uh, I was our signature student for the Boise State Business Department. Crushed it. Like I'm fairly humble guy I think but I, I, I I'm, I'm very proud of that like yeah. seriously like very very proud of that um so anyways I applied for the MBA program um I was getting recruited into a couple of different master's programs and decided I want to go for the MBA um so I was accepted into the program there and I was actually in between it was the summer in between my undergrad and starting my MBA that I looked at my resume and I was like man I really don't have a whole lot here I have the military and I'm gonna have an MBA but 
I don't have applicable work experience. Yeah. And so that actually is what led me to reach out to Everly Stock. Reached out to Everly Stock literally through a customer service email and offered to do an unpaid ter- unpaid internship. Yeah. And I was like, hey guys, like I, I just need something to put on a resume. You know, I'm a hunter, I'm a vet. Like I think I work well for the brand. I'll do whatever you guys need me to do. It just, I just need something I can put on a resume. Yeah. And long story short there, uh, Glenn Everly, the owner, uh, contacted me and said, come in, let's talk. Talked to him and he was like, I don't know what we're gonna have you do, but uh, yeah, if you wanna join the team for the summer, that'd be great. And then literally like a week after I joined, one of, one of our guys quit, we moved some guys around and they asked me if I wanna come on full-time managing our retail store. So point being to like directly answer your question, just having that reason to pursue the opportunity is what led me to the opportunity, right? So there was, at no point was I was like, at no point did I think like my end goal is to work for Everly Stock or even to work in this industry. It was just- I need to do something. Yeah, I was just, again, I was, I had that new direction, that new mission, I was following that. And and I got to a point where I was like, okay, I need to pursue this opportunity. And I did and- and Here you are. And here I am. Yeah, so we'll get into the cool stuff, what you're doing now. Yeah. At any point throughout, you know, your career in the military or going into school, were you ever like, I'm stuck? Like, I just, I don't, I don't feel like I know where I'm going. I feel kind of broken a little bit. I mean, maybe bouncing back and forth between yeah. school and, and work. Yep. Right? Do you ever, like, get lost at some point? The one time that I would say that I felt lost was that literally the day that I realized at when I was in that trade school, the day that I realized, like, I can't do this. Like, I physically can do this, but, like, it wasn't going to be a, a long-term good career choice for me. That scared me because I just moved to Idaho to do this, and I was in a four-month school. I was only, like, four weeks into it when I realized, like, this is not a good thing for me. Yeah. And, again, at that time, I was still kind of, like, anti-school, didn't really want to go back, and I was like, what the hell am I going to do? Yeah. That was the one time that I felt kind of, like, helpless and lost, and that lasted literally, like, a day. Okay. And I was like, you know what? Fuck that, man. Like, I'm going to finish out this school. And I did. I finished it. And I'm going to go find something new after that. And so, like, by the time that school had finished, I was already re-enrolled in college. And, and again, like, that's where I go back to just do something productive. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to – maybe this will be the time that I finish it. And, again, it was – it ended up being that time. But I was like, even if it's not, go back to school. It's productive. And you can figure it out in the meantime if that's what you want to continue to do or not. Yeah. So that's a really good tidbit. So I'm hearing, don't be static, right? Exactly. If you're going to get lost or be lost, it's okay, but do something productive. Damn right. That's a great way to say it. It's honestly a great way to say it. Don't be static. Yeah, that's cool. Because I know, you know, I've definitely, there's been times where I felt maybe a little bit stuck or lost and you have to go back and kind of reflect and say, okay, I can't just sit on my hands. Exactly. Otherwise I'm fucked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only, you know, there's, there's, it's funny. It's like, there's, there's that old quote. Uh, I'm gonna mess it up, but hopefully people know what I'm talking about. It's something about you know the only the only bad plan is a lack of a plan or something like that, right? But that idea is is extremely true and valid in this case. It's like the only thing that can really hold you back is to do nothing, yeah. right? Uh, again, obviously, as long as we're talking about productive things, you know, just do something <laughs> productive, do something healthy, do something that is going to push you forward in some direction and you can decide if you want to stay in that direction or not. But the alternative is to either stay static or even worse is obviously to start taking steps backwards. And you see that a lot because people start out static and then they want to take the easy route from there. And the easy route a lot of times is, is backwards. Yeah. 
That's true. I had one of my buddies just recently tell me, you know, we were talking about bows and, you know, he's helping me with some other tactical stuff. And he was like, never lose what you've gained. Yep. You have to just keep sharpening and keep working and keep working and don't lose it. But, okay, so into the fun stuff. So, you work for Everly Stock now. Yep. So, I don't know if everybody on or who's listening knows what Everly Stock is. Yeah. So, you mind just starting with what they are and all the cool shit that you do now? Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm jealous. Yeah. So, uh, so Everly Stock was uh, founded by the owner and, and current owner, uh, Glenn Everly. Back in 84, I mean, you really should have him on to, to tell the whole lineage of the company because that was before I was even born. But um, long story short, the name is is a good place to start. It, it started out The Eberly Stock. So Glenn was a night, uh, winter Olympian and did the biathlon or the ski and shoot. So he redesigned the stock of the rifle that they were using to make it significantly lighter. They could ski faster. And all of a sudden, everyone in the biathlon world wanted one of his stocks that were that much lighter. And so it was the Everly stock. He started selling those. That started the company. The company then, you know, over the course of the next 20 years or whatever, Glenn was living his life and, and doing different things. And and then in early 2000, 2001, right after 9-11, Glenn decided to could sort, sort of restart the company in a new form in, in what it is now, which is a pack and gear uh, manufacturer. And so really picking it up from there, um, yeah, we, we, we manufacture and sell uh, outdoor gear. Um, so our big thing is obviously hunting and tactical. So we've got a pretty good 50-50 split between the hunting community and the, the tactical community. We also do technical apparel and we're, we're branching out to be more of a, I would call like an all-inclusive outdoor lifestyle. active lifestyle brand. And, you know, we're really coming into our own right now. I mean, we've grown significantly in the last 12 months. And, you know, we've hired a bunch of people. I came on as number six. We just hired number 18 uh, a day or two ago. That's all in the last 12 months. I mean, we're literally a different company than when I started. And we're we're going in a really, really cool direction is the the best way that I can kind of summarize that. Yeah. And you're kind of the the man behind the curtain on that, aren't you? In some way, shape, or form, helping guiding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely like the last thing I want to do is is take credit for an amazing brand that was built well before my time, and then also take credit for what we've accomplished in the last twelve months when there's been a ton of vital pieces that have played a role in that, sure. right? But you know, definitely one of the definitely in a leadership position at Everly Stock and, and helping helping and contributing to the overall direction that we're going. Mm-hmm. I'll, I guess I'll take credit for that. Like definitely again, like definitely in a leadership position. But by no means am I the one pulling the strings to sure. to to put us in the direction that we're going. The the truth is like all of the success we've had is because a there was an incredible brand foundation already in place. And then we've just got a badass team of dudes that are really motivated to hustle and, and make this brand uh, what it should have been a long time ago and, and bring us to the potential that we have. So as the marketing director then, right, helping guide and facilitate this badass team then, what do you do? How do you, uh, how do you describe yeah. your job? Because I know, you know, I've talked to at least one or two marketing folks so far and I have a sexy idea of what marketing is, right? Sure. Never done it. So I really have no idea other than I do some pictures. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, the funny thing is like coming into the marketing position, I was like, me? Really? Like, why me? Like, I'm a knuckle dragger out of the army. Like, I don't know how to do this shit. 
but I'm a good executor. I'm a good, you know, like I'm a good fixer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably the best way to explain it. Like I can look at things and go, that's fucked up and we need to fix it. And <laughs> you know, what resources do we have to do that and figure it out from there. But marketing, you know, I, I mean, I wear a lot of hats as we all do. Like literally all of our guys do multiple jobs. Uh, at least all of the guys, you know, in leadership positions that have been around since, you know, before we kind of turned that corner wear multiple hats and do a lot of different things. But if we're talking about marketing specifically as, you know, obviously my main purpose and job at Everly Stock, uh, you know, I would tell you that my job is to, to communicate to the customer, A, why our product will make their life better, their experience better, right? Uh, so whether that's because they're hunting or they're active duty or they're just a shooting enthusiast, whatever it is, we will elevate the experience that you have when you're pursuing your passions. Probably the best way that I can explain it. Good gear, good product. It's going to make your experience better. So my job is to translate to the customer why we are the product to accomplish that for them. That's that's the most basic way that I can summarize it. Now, to get into what I actually do, that obviously entails the content that we put out, right, from production to delivery. You know, there again, a lot of pieces playing a role in this. Like, I'm not the guy behind the camera, but have a hand in content production and delivery, you know, obviously like oversee like everything through our website, our social media. I've, I've actually stepped a little bit out of my lane and a little bit into the operations lane in that we grew so much last year. We were having supply. We're currently still having inventory issues, like just, you know, can't meet demand. Um, so I had to get out of my lane a little bit and go kind of tackle that in, in partnership with our general manager who oversees our operations and that's where I get into like, you know, where we have worn multiple hats. It's a tough question to answer, man, because we yeah. just do so many things. And we're at a point in the life of a company where everything kind of starts blending because everything has to work together, right? There has to be synergy between your marketing and your operations and your customer service and all that. So my job is to make sure that we are doing our job as a marketing department, but also to make sure that we are working well with the other departments at our company so that it's not this big marketing push, but our customer service doesn't follow, our supply doesn't follow, our human resources doesn't right. follow. Yeah, so it's a really unique position. And it's interesting too, because having worn all those hats, right, and coming in to Everly Stock, you know, with no other experience, right, other than the Army, yeah. do you feel that that was extremely difficult to learn how to do all of that? Was it fairly natural for you? Both. It was both. So like learning, learning the, the technical part of marketing, right? Like learning, you know, customer acquisition strategies and market and like how to develop marketing campaigns and all that. Yeah. That was really difficult. Cause I was just kind of like, I, I observed, you know, as an employee, I had observed our marketing to that point, but didn't really have a hand in it every day. I didn't really know much about it. And so I got into it and I'm like, Oh man. And I'm the worst, like I'm technologically, uh, just challenge, challenge, dude. Like, yeah. So like coming into it and having to learn how, you know, search engine optimization and email distribution and all this shit. I was like, Oh man, I don't know any of this. But again, the part that wasn't difficult for me was the, the, the team building part of it and going, okay, well, who does know how to do this? Who is good at this? Who can we rely on to, to fill this role? Who can we, uh, who know, you know, who can we task for this thing and this thing, you know, so it was, I mean, it was fairly seamless. There was a lot behind the, the scenes that was, yeah, super difficult for me to figure out. But again, I was just very lucky in that we already had a really good team in place. And I was good at figuring out how to sort of take the chains off those guys and let them do what they do well. And then, you know, sort of provide some direction to that. 
Um, so like we didn't miss a step. I mean, we again we turned a corner and, and improved significantly. And like, but yeah, there was definitely a lot of days that I was sitting there going like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, we're figuring it out, but I don't know what I'm doing. I yeah. still don't know what I'm doing, man. But we're figuring it out. If you ever figure it out, you let me know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did you find that it was challenge or challenging in, in some way, shape, or form, like taking those chains off of guys and being like, dude, like you're good at this. I want you to take charge and take point on, on X, Y, and Z thing. No, not at all, dude. Not difficult. It, it certainly could be. Like, in a lot of cases, it certainly could be. But I think we all, all of those guys that were around at that time, and I always kind of specify that because we've just grown so much. That we got a lot of guys in the company now that what it is right now is all they know. But those of us that were around and kind of, like, knew what I call, like, the old era. Mm-hmm. We were all so ready to have those chains taken off and, and kind of run with it and, and build the brand the way that it should be and, and fulfill the potential that we had. It was easy, man. It was a bunch of really motivated, really intelligent, really awesome dudes that are all still in the office. Like, we're all still working together and have just crushed it because we were all, like I said, like very motivated to do that and, and very selfless in in just looking for work what can i do to contribute you know so do you draw your motivation then from expanding the brand or is there some sort of like i love the industry i love the packs i love the gear i mean what is it when you get to work you're like this is why i want to do so good today for me it's expanding the brand like from a just from a business perspective like i've actually i I was uh, i hunted a lot more before i was in the position that i'm in now and i shot guns a lot more than when i was in the position i'm in now one thing for me is like once it's work it's work Mm -hmm. and i and i try and take a healthy proactive approach to that and like separating myself from that when i need to and when i can so i don't want to make it sound like i've lost my passion for those things but what I really enjoy now, what really drives me is literally just like the analytics of a business, like like yeah. looking at it and go, can we grow this thing? It's just become like the thing that I, that I nerd out on. Uh, so when I show up every day, it's numbers driven, right? Like how do we sell more shit? Yeah. It really is kind of that simple. Now it makes it really easy and that I do love the industry and I love the people in the industry and it's, it's the coolest industry in the world. And sometimes I look at the company that I'm in at different events or whatever and I'm like, how the fuck am I here with so-and-so? You know, I'm nobody, yeah. right? But but no, that's that's really not the part of it that drives me. What really drives me is is just building building a brand. Because I want to be able to look back on this in 10 years and, and be the, look at it and be like, yeah, I played a role in taking that company from from X to Y and, and want to know that I had a part in, in that. Because all that cool shit that we get to do and get to the cool people we get to interact with, all that, None of that shit works if you can't keep the lights on. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that that has to come first, and uh, and all that cool stuff is is uh, just the cherry on top. Yeah. So aside from the brand building, what is your favorite part about what you do, and the, I guess the industry too that you're in? Oh, I mean the the it's definitely it's just I don't even know how to answer that without <laughs> just saying like it's everything the, yeah, yeah. exactly right. It's yeah. the it's the culture, both. Everly stock specifically and the industry, right? Like one, here's, here's a good example. I show up to work in jeans and a t-shirt every day, mm-hmm. right? Like I get to go shoot guns for content and like that's work for me. I get to go hunt and that's work for me. Like I get to go hang out with all these like really cool people in this badass network that we get to live in. 
and just kind of shoot the shit with them about what they're doing in business, what they're doing in their personal life. Like it's, it's so much like my brother's in finance. When he goes to conferences, he's going to conferences in, in a three piece suit and talking about portfolios and stuff. Yeah, dude. It's like, I would, I would, <laughs> that would drive me fucking nuts. So like, it, it's hard to answer that because it's just like, yeah, you take your pick, the people, the industry, like the, the, the culture, the, the product, like you name it. It's, yeah. it's awesome. That's cool. So if you've got a kid then, and this might be the last question I can think of, is if you've got somebody that's trying to break into the outdoor industry, right, or, you know, Everly Stock, it doesn't really matter, right? Yeah. I know that the outdoor industry is very tight-knit, very much like a family. And once you're in, it's it's awesome. Yep. If you've got somebody that's trying to get into the outdoor industry in either, you know, the influencer capacity, photographer capacity, working, what advice would you give them to say, Here's how to be successful. Honestly, man, it, to me, it's no different than any other industry. Yeah. It's 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 different in that there is a different barrier to entry. Okay. But navigating that barrier to entry is no different than any other industry, okay. and that just find a way to provide value. Okay. Right. Like it's it really is that, that simple. That's but, the barrier to entry is, is finding value. Is yeah, I mean, like I don't want to like oversimplify it, but I think that a lot of people trying to get into the industry think that they have to be some like established successful hunter or they have to be a special operations dude or like they have to come into it with some sort of notoriety around their name already and they have to have influence and they have to be an expert and da 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 dude all the guys that I have hired or, or I should say have a, have had my my role in hiring I had no industry background whatsoever they were just guys off the street looking for a job and they were intelligent human beings they can be put into a position and provide value. Okay. That's all I really care about, right? Like as as a, as one of the again as one of the leadership principles at Everly Stock. What I want is to like I want our team to get better. So like if you're doing an operations job, like I, I don't need you to have you know some YouTube channel where you're killing big bucks all the time. Okay, that's that's not what I care about. I I care about you showing up to work and doing good work. And like you can you know I'm a good example of it. I had no connection to the industry when I came in. But I was intelligent enough to come in, learn the industry, and figure out how I could provide value. It really is that simple. So, like, get your resume together, apply to a bunch of different places, and you will find somebody that doesn't care that you're not connected whatsoever because they just need a good HR manager or a good operations guy or a good sales guy. Like, it, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, we're all here to make money. So, like, whatever is going to help a company do that the fastest, that's who they're going to hire. It really is that simple. Just find a way to provide value. Okay. I wish I wish I had a better, like more extravagant answer to that, but it really is that simple. It's no, no different than any other job. Yeah, but I mean it's it's crazy because I feel like that plays into everything that you said, right? Yeah. I mean I mean don't don't stay static, yeah. right? Find value. Find yeah. a way to add value, right? Find something you can nerd out on that adds value, yeah. right? If you want to get anywhere, add fucking value. Yep. And move forward. Exactly. And like and then once you get there, by the way, this is another part of it. It's it still doesn't change. You're like, never getting there, right? You got to exactly. find another way to add value. Like when I came on, when I came on, I, what, what I tell people like once they're in is learn your job and, and master your job. And then once you've mastered your job, like find something else that you can do. So like for me, I was running our retail store. I got really good at running our retail store. And then I felt like, Hey, I could probably do more. And I started going to our general manager and being like, Hey, what are some things that nobody else is doing or needs or wants to do or can't do or whatever? Because I feel like I can do more and like, okay, here's, here's some more tasks and whatever. And just prove myself that like, whatever you give me, I'll figure it out and I'll do a good job. It's, it's literally, again, it's that simple. That's again, provide more value. Like you can't get static. You can't be like, all right, I'm here. I've done my job and I'm really good at my job. 
if 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 you want to stay there, then sure, I guess like be static, you know, and stay there. But otherwise, again, going back to like find a way to provide more value. Like, what else can I do? What else can I do? What else can I do? And just be eager to hustle. You know, be eager to hustle and to prove yourself. And if you're able to prove yourself, the rest takes care of itself. Well, I hope you all took something away from Greg's story, whether that's focusing on your mental well-being, never staying stagnant, pursuing the next mission, focusing on what comes next, or chasing after a passion to its fullest. Uh, I hope you all find a way to maximize the time we have and know that there are people out there that look out for you and want to see you succeed. Greg, man, I appreciate your time and look forward to chatting again in the future. Linked in the episode description will be uh, Everly Stock's website and Instagram page. I'd encourage you all to take a few minutes to drop a dime over there and get ready for your next hunt, deployment, or range day. Linked in the episode description as well is the Vanguard website. Please take a minute to peruse the shop and partner pages. See if there's a couple things you can't live live without to support the cause. Uh, Otherwise, you all have a kick-ass Wednesday and we'll catch you next time. Hey guys, it's Erica, Austin's wife. I don't know about you, but when Austin and I are on the road, we are quick to get hungry and hate getting greasy food. We typically put off getting food, which often leads to Austin getting hangry, annoying, and more obnoxious than normal. This ends with us having to stop and get something before he randomly goes missing. With that being said, Mountain Primal Fuel Sticks are the prime candidate to curb the hunger, stave off him being an asshole, and give me a reason to shove a meat stick down his throat. Use Vanguard for 15% off mountainprimal.com.